Blog Talk Radio. Since the music's not going to play, I guess I'll just go ahead and start the show my way. Uh, welcome to Countdown to Kickoff. I'm your host, the one and only Anthony Denmark, Denmark Fight the Country. Countdown to Kickoff is brought to you guys by EatDreamSleepSports.com. That's E-A-T-D-R-N-K-S-L-P-S-P-R-T-Z.com. And as usual, as usual, we have a lot of things on tap for today's show. We're going to be continuing our Countdown to Kickoff series where we preview uh, college football programs all over the country with guests who happen to cover those particular programs. In addition to that, we're also going to talk about the latest breaking news in sports because unlike us, who, of course, need at least a little bit of sleep, we know that sports never stops. We know that sports never sleep. And in the case of college football, we do know at this particular point, thanks to satellite camps, there is no off season. So, uh, as usual, let's go ahead and start our show like we always do with our breaking news. First up on breaking news, I guess continuing with our theme, is um, Sheffield, a five-star cornerback from Texas. It seems as if he does not want to be at Alabama anymore. As reportedly he's saying that reports say that he's actually leaving. However, in press conference today, Nick Saban said that he would always welcome him back. But although, of course, we do know that transfers are a common thing that often happens in sports, at times especially with guys who are five stars who aren't accustomed to having to wait their turn, you do have to ask yourself, is this a trend that's setting? Although, of course, when we talk about terrible off-seasons, not many people can say they've had a worse off-season than Baylor for obvious reasons or a worse off-season than Texas A&M, which is also for obvious reasons. But although the Alabama Crimson Tide finds themselves as a preseason number one based off of the Amway uh, preseason top 25, I mean, this has been a troubling offseason down in Roll Tide Nation. Bo Davis, a defensive line coach, leave uh, allegedly due to some recruiting violations. We had, of course, an incident that take place in Louisiana with Cam Robinson and Hootie Jones. And, of course, in addition to that, we had that whole fiasco that took place with Maurice Smith. And also we had the uh, a guy who was a, presumed to be a, a projected starter on the offensive line abruptly leave as well. And now you have this issue with Sheffield. And you say to yourself, is this a trend or is this just college being college where guys transfer due to the fact that they want to play and they see that they're not going to get an opportunity to play? However, as we do know, this whole situation is ultimately going to play itself out. I, for one, cannot only say that I immediately thought, hmm, I wonder if he'll be playing or transferring to Georgia. I wonder what implications that may have on the whole situation. But, again, as I say in life, as I say in sports, we're definitely going to see what's happening. And, per usual, we are definitely, I mean, definitely uh, going to see what's up. What else we got in breaking news? Another breaking news, and I know for me, when I think about college football, oftentimes we do know that we enjoy the games. But it's nothing like we find ourselves forming an intimate bond 
uh, with the with the uh, announcers and broadcasters who cover the game, and the experts who, of course, provide the analysis during the game and also at halftime. Uh, however, unfortunately, it seems as if another face of college football uh, is going to be uh, missing, possibly. As reports say that uh, Rod Gilmore, ESPN college football reporter, was recently diagnosed with blood cancer. Now, of course, we do hope that this team makes a steady recovery, but it's just interesting at times when we think about sports. I think what makes sports so great is that we're able to go on a journey, and the people who, of course, accompany us on that journey are the sports reporters and the analysts who, of course, cover it. We, of course, send our prayers out to Rod Gilmore and his family and hope and encourage that he, in fact, does make a swift recovery. What else we got? Well, it seems as if we're back to Georgia again. It seems as if Georgia finds itself in the news always. Although, of course, I will give, I have an expert on to talk about the Georgia Bulldogs in two weeks. However, we do know that Georgia finds itself in the news not based off the fact of what's happening on the field, but based off the speculation of who's actually joined the roster, who, of course, may have been in Alabama. Sports say that another former Alabama Crimson Tide player has now walked on to potentially play for the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, former four-star quarterback McLeod, who at force initially transferred to Western Kentucky in the pursuit of playing time, has now decided to walk on at Georgia. I tell you, man, I wonder, <laughs> has Nick Saban removed uh, Kirby Smart from the Christmas list? Because I'm sure, although they are friends, it's hard to be friendly when you're now rival. But, of course, that wraps up our breaking news segment. Like I said before, we have a lot of things on tap for today's show. Uh, we've been continuing our countdown to kickoff series, where we have guests come on from all over the country, sports writers who cover those teams intimately uh, to share their thoughts, their insights, their expertise, and also their expectations uh, for what they believe their team may potentially be able to do this upcoming season. I'm blessed that we're going to be having another guest come on today to talk, and the team that we're going to be covering is the uh, Michigan Wolverines. And, of course, we do know that since we're covering the Michigan Wolverines, we'll, of course, have to ask them a lot of questions about what happened to Jim Harbaugh. So let's go ahead and get them on the line to find out what's happening and what's up with the Michigan Wolverines. Welcome to the show. Hello, Anthony. How are you this evening? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Now, of course, we do know that we are now less than, I believe, 17 days until kickoff. And I know that for you, as being a college football fan, you have to be excited. How are the expectations down in Ann Arbor? I'm sure everybody is full of excitement uh, looking forward to this upcoming season. Well, we like to think expectations are are always high in Ann Arbor for Michigan fans, but we know it's been a a seven-year stretch uh, that's uh, been tough uh, for Michigan fans that have been around for a long time. So, uh, expectations are very high right now. I think maybe unrealistically for a lot of the fan base, but everyone's excited. Absolutely. Again, I'm on the line with Mike Fitzgerald. He covers the Michigan Wolverines for AmazingBrew.com. Now, of course, we would normally start this conversation by talking about expectations for the season, but what in the heck happened today with uh, Jim Harbaugh literally just walking off and dropping the mic? Yeah, 
got a little upset uh, at the uh, the line of questioning. It was a very short uh, presser. Uh, you know, I unlike a lot of the uh, the college football pro- programs around the country, guys, uh, he, Coach has uh, taken the team what he calls on the submarine trip for the second year in a row where there's really very little access to the media. The uh, presser that was uh, scheduled on uh, on Monday was uh, was very quick. Um, it was put together. It was only 12 minutes in length, and you know nobody knew what the agenda might be. But um, coach just wanted to talk about the first week of practice, the quarterbacks, and it had been sort of a, a a wonder for the last week or so. The three players were missing from the team photo, uh, which was taken at the beginning of camp. So the questioning went in that direction. Uh, where are these three freshmen? Uh, coach said that uh, two of them uh, were suspended. Uh, you know, some of the media kept pressing, well, who are they and uh, tell us why. And he, he, he made a statement that he was not going to go into any details. It was going to be handled internally. But a lot of the uh, the reporters kept pressing and pressing and pressing and uh, he got upset with that and said, again, we're not going to talk about that. And uh, that was it. Then he uh, just said, you know, I'm leaving. Now, of course, we do know, of course, one of the b- biggest signs of greatness when it comes to coaching is, of course, they always, at, at least, it seems as if they uh, view the media as more of an adversary as more as opposed to being a friend. We saw that happen uh, with Mark D'Antonio, who, of course, hung up during a radio interview. You, of course, know about mm-hmm. Nick Saban having his conversations with Paul Feinbaum or him talking about the Coke bottle during press conferences. So if that's something to be associated with, we do know that those coaches, of course, have won at a high level. And uh, Jim Harbaugh definitely did an impressive job his first season, and his record, of course, uh, leaves very little to question in regards to his greatness and his uh, rightful place amongst the elite coaches. But let's talk about the game on the field. Now, one of the biggest questions entered to this upcoming season of course, starts with the quarterback position. Now, of course, mm-hmm. we do know that uh, Rudolph, of course, uh, exhausted his eligibility. I'm not sure. I believe he was possibly going to medical school. I wasn't able to find out if, in fact, he is. Uh, but nevertheless, um, what's the state of the quarterback situation? It seems initially that everybody just presumed that it was going to be uh, Oakhorn due to his experience. He, of course, threw 26 touchdowns during his time at Houston. But it seems as if Spates may have something to say about that. He does, and backing up to Jake Rudock for just a just a moment to uh, to answer that, Anthony. He was drafted uh, in the sixth round by the Detroit Lions. Uh, is actually on the roster right now. Played Friday night in the uh, the preseason opener and played pretty well. So, uh, you know, a lot of people at this time last year did not think Jake Rudock was going to be an NFL uh, player or caliber player. So, at least right now, he's on a, an NFL roster and doing well. Uh, getting back to the question about the quarterbacks, yeah, it's a, uh, the fans are all focused on that, of course, have been since spring ball. I think everyone assumed when John O'Corn came from Houston, sat out his year, that he was a very talented kid, went to the same high school as Jake Rudock, actually roomed with Jake uh, last year during the season. Very talented kid. Wilton Spate, we hadn't seen much of at all. I mean, the most I've seen of Wilton is in warmups. Really, no one ever talked about him. Just one of these big kids. You thought, oh, he's not very quick, doesn't look uh, particularly agile. 
has a gun. Uh, you get to the D1 level, everyone does. But uh, he had a very good spring and does something that Jim Harbaugh does a lot of things that Coach Harbaugh like, uh, likes. He's uh, very cerebral. He doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't have the great wheels. Sort of reminds people of, of a little more mobile John Navarre, if you can think back uh, many years ago when big John Navarre was quarterback at Michigan. But he's, uh, he moves the chains. He doesn't make mistakes. Does he make the big plays? Maybe not that kind of a quarterback. There's someone else in the mix, and Jim Harbaugh mentioned him yesterday, Shane Morris, who is a, a local kid from Warren De La Salle High School here in the Detroit area, four-star coming out of high school, southpaw, very athletic. I think observers around the program will say he is the most talented of the quarterbacks from a raw talent uh, perspective, but he's been through three offensive coordinators, a variety of coaches, and and just doesn't seem to have developed. But he's still in the mix. Granted, a lot of folks don't expect to see Shane Morris under center uh, uh, when September 3rd rolls around, but it is very competitive right now. And uh, for one, I'm not sure who's going to be under center uh, come Hawaii. Absolutely. Now, again, I'm on the line with Mike Fitzgerald. He covers the Michigan Wolverines from AmazingBrew.com. Now, of course, we do know that one of the calling cards of the Harbaugh offense specifically, yeah, the quarterback will get a lot of the attention, but we know that their, their identity ultimately lays in regards to establishing the running game. Now, the Michigan Wolverines have to replace uh, one, of, one of their starters on the offensive line, but uh, the offense ultimately rushing-wise, had a pedestrian only average about between 158 yards rushing per game. How do you see that improving, and uh, who do you see uh, stepping up uh, in a crowded backfield? Well, it is a very crowded backfield, uh, an experienced backfield, but uh, we expect that uh, Davion Smith, of course, is uh, going to get the bulk of the carries. Uh, Davion, just a, a very physical runner. He's one of these guys you have to like. He squares those shoulders, he runs low, he runs hard, he keeps those legs churning, uh, and he's an excellent blocker. He got better and better as the season uh, uh, went along last year uh, blocking. And he also has good hands, so Harbaugh likes backs that can come out of the backfield and be productive. Uh, Drake Johnson, uh, another senior, uh, another local Ann Arbor kid who uh, has just been uh, you know, cursed by some injuries. Uh, he's had two knee operations. Uh, in his career at Michigan, so he's never quite and got never got quite going. And then I don't know if uh, Anthony, if you heard the story, what happened to him in the off season. Here he is, ready for his his senior season. He's healthy. He's running track. Uh, great track runner too, a hurdler uh, for the Michigan track team. He's laying down on the track, stretching, and a forklift runs over him. And uh, unbelievably, he really had uh, no injuries. Wasn't hospitalized. But, you know, if any Murphy's Law is in effect with Drake Johnson, it seems if anything bad can happen, it will. But he's another player Jim Harbaugh likes. He has wheels. He, he brings something to uh, the table that, uh, that Devion Smith doesn't. So those are the, uh, the one-two guys. A lot of talent in the backfield, a lot of freshmen. But those are the two guys, at least early, I think you're going to see uh, carrying the ball. Absolutely. Of course, we know that uh... – the Ballyhood freshman, uh, I'm saying his name just slipped my mind. Kareem Walker, did I get it right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, Kareem Walker, well, of course. Uh, we're going to see what happens with him. Of course, we do know, like, according to the report, he was missing from the picture, but he hasn't been suspended. So we'll be able to see where he ultimately ends up uh, fitting into a talented and deep uh, backfield. Now, one of the highlights that I love about uh, Michigan, specifically about uh, Jim Harbaugh, is his ability to be able to develop talent. Now, of course, mm-hmm. last season, a lot of people didn't know much about Jake Butts. Not many people knew about uh, Amare, and not many people knew about Jason. But last year, they, of course, combined for 17 touchdowns and over 2,000 yards receiving. Uh, now, of course, with every the world aware of these talented game game changers, who what do you see them doing in in this uh, in their final season? Well, you know, at least here in the Big Ten and uh, here in the Ann Arbor area, we knew about those guys. Jake Butch is a tremendous tight end. Uh, Amara Darbo had a lot of injuries over the last couple of years. Not a lot of injuries, but enough to slow him down. The kind of nagging injuries during the season, but another physically gifted athlete with great hands, big wideouts, sort of that, that NFL pedigree uh, wideout that you like. Uh, he's got the wheels. He's 6'3". And Jehu Chesson, another absolute speedster. So I, I suppose you could say that last year was their breakout year, um, and, and Jake uh, developed a chemistry as the season went along with those three guys. Uh, I expect they're going to have all good years. I, I think it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. And here's one thing that I like about the way Jim Harbaugh sets his offense. If he has a great quarterback, well, that's great. But he wants a quarterback that understands the game, sees where the plays are, see, sees the open receivers, gets the ball to the open receivers, and just makes good, smart progressions. Whoever that's going to be, Wilton Spate, John O'Corn, uh, or Shane Morris, I think those receivers are going to have a good year. Yeah, it depends on the uh, the running game. That's we all know that's the the straw that stirs the drink for uh, just about anyone. But for Coach Harbaugh and uh, a pro style offense, uh, that's going to be the key. But I'm looking for big things from the receiving core. Absolutely. Again, of course, we do know that uh, you know Michigan opens the season against Hawaii. And although, of course, they've taken a little bit of criticism for uh, their non-conference schedule, we do know that the, do- that the dominance of the defense is expected to take significant steps. And that's really saying a lot considering that the defense finished fourth in the nation last year. But when you add a defensive coordinator, uh, Don Brown, who, of course, had the number one defense in the country with Boston College, I mean, the expectations should be through the roof. Well, I think they are through the roof, um, you know, um, a lot of uh, the overall, uh, you know, thoughts on Michigan, I think, are unrealistic. But the defense, no. Um, Don Brown coming in here, uh, you're right. With what he did at Boston, everyone was excited right away and thought that was an incredible hire uh, by Jim Harbaugh. When you look at this defense uh, uh, up front, uh, the, uh, the, the the magazine that covers uh, Michigan, the Wolverine, said something funny in the preseason magazine. They said the Michigan defensive line is almost like a hockey team. You can just uh, keep rolling line changes out there. Uh, They can go nine deep, and that's before Rashawn Gary got here, and that's before some of the other freshmen uh, got here. It's very deep. You're going to have Chris Warmly up front, a defensive end who could have gone in the draft last year. You have Ryan Glasgow, who, if you talk to Big Ten coaches and Big Ten offensive linemen, will tell you 
how very difficult it is to block him in the middle. And then you've got a kid you didn't see last year who Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh ranks his players uh, one through 115 or however many players he has. He had Brian Monet ranked number three, the third most talented and productive player on his roster until he got hurt uh, before the season opener last year. He's a big kid up front there. Uh, there are so many Lawrence Marshall and we can roll depth this year. If there are questions, it's in the linebacking core, not questions about talent, but uh, about experience. And there's no question uh, in the secondary with Jordan Lewis at a corner. And you've got Jabril Peppers playing all over the place. It's not really a cover corner anymore in this defense. Um, But it's, (laughs) it is the one thing we can look at and say, um, Yes, this defense, regardless of what's going on in the offense, should be the uh, should be driving the engine and should help this team get through those th- three uh, first three five games offensively and find themselves. Absolutely, of course. You know, whenever you think about the defense, you can already see that Jordan Lewis, of course, according to a lot of uh, mock drafts, has already been ranked as the number one corner uh, in this upcoming draft, and that says a lot about him and his talent. And also, of course, we do know that Mr. Versatility and Jabril Peppers, who can pretty much play anywhere on the field. He, of course, played mm-hmm. some snaps on the offensive side of the ball last season, and the expectation is that he'll probably do that as well. But one of the right. questions that I do have is we do know that Jordan Lewis, of course, is going to lock down one side of the field. And we mm-hmm. do know that Jabril Peppers is going to play like that uh, Swiss Army line position at hybrid between a safety and a uh, linebacker. But who do we see on the who who's going to be on the other side? Because we know whoever's on the other mm-hmm. side is going to want to want to get a lot of attention, and they're going to have to be able to step up. Can we trust that they're going to be able to do so? I think so. It's going to be Channing Stribling is uh, over on the other side, and if you listen to what Michigan coaches say and people around the program and uh, some pretty good players, uh, including Charles Woodson, uh, said that Channing Stribling might be the better corner cover. He he's the taller. He's uh he's one of these kids that came in. He's a six six one. Uh, I've stood beside him. I think he might be a six two corner. Um, he's he can play press coverage. Uh, uh, he get he he gives Michigan that advantage where you can both corners uh, can play in press coverage. Uh, although you're going to see a lot of different coverages on that defense. So not worried at all. Channing Stribling, who played early when he came in here, had to play as a freshman and really struggled. Uh, at the cornerback spot as a freshman, even as a sophomore. Um, he had his moments, but he just was very inconsistent. Last year, he made a turn. And it's funny when I talk to people from um, around the country, not in the Big Ten. Big Ten, Big Ten people know Channing Stribling is the real deal. Um, but a lot of people outside of the Big Ten um, just say, who's going to play on the other side? Uh, right, they're going to get right. picked on. Michigan's going to have problems on that side. Channing Stribling is an excellent cover corner, and he is a good run defender, too. Absolutely. I consider the, the secondary situation to be sort of reminiscent to what happened down in uh, Gamesville. Uh, of course, mm-hmm. you know, with uh, Vernon Hargraves third and Jalen Tabor provided a wonderful opportunity for Jalen Tabor, of course, to step up, and of course he did, and became an All-American. And I see this, the same formula to be able to produce yet again another All-American in Michigan, and not just Lewis, but also possibly Strickland, if not this year, but definitely next year. Now, of course, we do know that when you look at the schedule for Michigan, a lot of people presume that the schedule 
doesn't really get tough until they leave the big house into three big mm-hmm. games, of course, when they go up against Iowa, Michigan State, and, of course, that other team uh, at the right. end of the season. Uh, this <laughs> promises to be a great year for Michigan, and, of course, we do know uh, that the Wolverines' expectations are higher than ever, and uh, Jim Harbaugh definitely has that, that steamboat, ro- steam, steamboat rolling. And I'm going to thank you for coming on to the show, and I definitely want to have you on throughout the season. Uh, to tell us about how uh, Jim Harbaugh is responding to the media and also in regards to how the uh, Wolverines are continuing their path towards uh, making an appearance in the college football playoffs. Anytime, Anthony. I'd be more than happy to. Absolutely. Thank you. Now, one of the things that's awesome, one of the things that's so great about college football is that, you know, from a coaching perspective, fans want coaches who can win. And you know it, it it comes as a uh, as a byproduct of that is you get coaches who of course focus almost completely on uh, their program, and as a consequence of that, a lot of times that of course leads them to rub the media the wrong way. And at the end of the day, it's not Jim Harbaugh, it's not Nick Saban, it's not Mark D'Antonio. Hey, it's not Bill Belichick's responsibility to try to cater to the media. Although we would like to believe that the coaches would take some interest in having a good relationship with the media, we know ultimately what matters most is uh, them winning on the field. And, uh, of course, the coaches that I've mentioned have all done that at high levels consistently. And the expectation with Jim Harbaugh is you're probably going to do the same thing. And uh, history has shown that it's going to happen. Nevertheless, you know, one of the things that's always exciting about this upcoming season is we finally get an opportunity to finally see action take place. And, finally see what separates pretenders, contenders, and also the surprises. Oftentimes we find ourselves throughout the season, preseason anyway, is stating the obvious. Yes, it's easy and convenient to just go ahead and presume that Alabama is going to be able to be the number one team in the country because they have the number one recruiting recruiting classes seven years in a row. Uh, Nevertheless, one of the things that we know in sports is that what we love about it is the surprises. We love seeing the upsets. We love seeing Jay Aguayo get a blocked field goal against Georgia Tech, and although the talent level is nowhere equal, finding Georgia Tech pulling up, pulling up, of course, an amazing upset. And when we find ourselves looking at the schedules, at times we find ourselves overlooking these games. And one of the things I found myself doing, well, today, is looking through the schedules and trying to find games, trap games, I guess you could call it, where you can see teams coasting, thinking about finals, of course, or thinking about the next following opponent. And I found myself centering on two teams specifically. And those two teams, of course, is the team that we covered tonight in the Michigan Wolverines. Everybody presumes that when you look at Michigan's schedule that they're going to start the season 9-0 and and then go to the they, – they'll leave the big house 9-0 and before, of course, they have that tough stretch between Iowa, Michigan State, and, of course, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Nevertheless, we do know that games are actually played on the field. And I found myself specifically centering on one particular game that, of course, I'm sure that a lot of Michigan fans may be a bit nervous about, and that's the matchup between USF. Now, USF, for those who do not know, are, of course, coached by a Harbaugh disciple. I mean, to a degree that Jim Harbaugh's father actually calls Willie Taggart one of his sons. And so that's going to be a very interesting matchup. Now, of course, Willie Taggart did a remarkable job last season 
almost to a degree that he got a, a lot of coaching interviews for a lot of big five jobs last season. And he was able to bring a USF team that, of course, started the season rather slow and was able to bring that team into bowl eligibility. Now, of course, that, of course, bring back uh, their starting quarterback and Mac. They, of course, also bring in a UCLA transfer and Asante Woolard, who is also competing for the job. And that USF game could be a game where a lot of people are not going to be taking the Bulls seriously. Now, of course, I hope that that doesn't happen. But also at the same time, of course, we do not want to see a whole bunch of blowouts. And I truly believe that when you look at USF and you look at the speed that they have on the field, no, they may not have the size of Michigan, but they may have the talent to be able to pull an upset. I say those things because I expect Michigan to be able to win a lot of their games quite convincingly and find themselves cruising. And one thing you don't want to cruise against is against a team that mirrors the same offensive philosophy as yours. I'm more than sure that Willie Taggart, of course, got a lot of his uh, coaching uh, strategies and strategies from who? Jim Harbaugh, who will be facing when? In the big house. Now, of course, we do know that when we think about upsets, some of the biggest, uh, one of the biggest upsets in college football history happened where? In the big house, Appalachian State. And I think just because of that Appalachian State game, I could see that the Michigan Wolverines will not sleep on that team. Of course, I expect them to beat Hawaii, and I expect them to beat those other teams, but I wanted to try to challenge my listeners to think about, to not think about the obvious. Yes, we do know that Iowa, of course, finished last season with one, with two losses. Yes, we do know that Michigan State, of course, their in-state rivalry is, of course, going to give them a tough challenge despite their losses on both sides of the ball. And, yes, we do know that that game against that team called the Ohio State Buckeyes, of course, will be a tough game. But we do know ultimately in college football, upsets happen, and it's not against so-called equal-level competition. It often happens where teams find themselves playing teams who, of course, are based off of Vegas, are significant underdogs and have nothing to lose. And I just look at that game and I say to myself, Willie Taggart, he knows the hardball playbook. He's a brother. He's a hardball brother. <laughs> so that's a game I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how things play out. Now, the other team I found myself focusing on specifically is my home state, uh, the Tennessee Volunteers, who, of course, somehow got a first-place vote. I don't know why, but I'm not hating. But uh, the hype for Tennessee has gotten out of control, absolutely out of control. I don't know. Maybe Joshua Dobbs figured out how to be able to throw the ball consistently. Maybe the Tennessee Volunteers actually were able to identify a reliable receiving threat who can actually catch the ball. Yes, we do know that those guys definitely do have all the five-star buildings for the high school recruits. However, their inability to be able to transfer that as college players has not occurred yet. Maybe it happens in their third season. They have the talent. They have the size. But I just – I just don't see it happening. We do know the Tennessee Volunteers do have a very, very tough schedule. And I find myself trying to look for trap games. And I don't know if you would call it a trap game, but I just wonder, do the Florida Gators still have their number? I really think that that game against Florida 
the season is ultimately on the line. Irregardless of how things play out with them when they go against Virginia Tech in the battle at Bristol, the season either will be won or lost based off of what happens against the Florida Gators in the fourth quarter. Last season, either due to Butch Jones' poor late game play calling or due to uh, Joshua Dobbs' inconsistency at throwing the ball, they melted throughout the season. And I think that that game is going to be a, a, a true test because from a talent perspective, they should win. But the only question is, will they win? We're going to find out. I mean, 12 years, the Gators have had the Tennessee Volunteers number. And all those games which they lost for 12 straight seasons, we can honestly say that the Gators should not have won all 12 of those games. And they absolutely should not have won the game last year. So I could really see things either hit absurd levels if, in fact, the Volunteers win. But if, in fact, they lose, I could just really see the season just be all downhill from there. But, again, as I say in life, as I say in sports, we're definitely going to see what's happening. And, of course, uh, we are definitely going to see what's up. Now, of course, one of the other things I want to find, want to talk about is stating the obvious. You know, right now, I'm more than sure that all my college football fans out there have done as I have done, which is read every preseason magazine from cover to cover. We've either rolled our eyes in disagreement or clenched our fists in excitement to see that someone else shared the same insights and expertise or expectations for the teams that we so loyally follow. And one of the things I found myself rolling my eyes at was the Heisman favorite. Because every year, on the cover of all these magazines, it's always adorned with these guys who are supposed Heisman favorites. However, history shows us that there's a very small chance that the guys who are on the covers are actually going to win the Heisman. Let's just go through history. Do you guys recall Derrick Henry being touted as a Heisman favorite last year? I'll wait. Do you guys recall Marcus Mariota being touted at? Well, yeah, actually he was touted as a Heisman favorite. Do you guys recall that guy named Johnny Manziel being touted as a Heisman favorite? No. However, what happened and what's so exciting about college football that presents each Saturday, each Thursday, each Tuesday is an opportunity for new stars to be made. Now, of course, I do know based off of Vegas, uh, the bravado ranking says that at this particular moment, Leonard Fournette is the surefire favorite to win the Heisman. Uh, Throughout the summer, he shared that title uh, with Deshaun Watson. Uh, However, we do know I'm looking for surprises. I'm looking for people who are going to emerge from the shadows. You know, like that guy by the name of Christian McCaffrey who did so last year, who, in my opinion, should have won the Heisman. And I find myself trying to figure out who are some guys who can put up the stats, who can also garner the wins, who can also be able to position themselves to be in the spotlight throughout the season to be able to garner enough attention to possibly be winning the Heisman. And I found myself coming with a collection of five players in no particular order. One of the players I found myself thinking about was start thinking about Royce Freeman. 
Royce Freeman from Oregon, of course, ran for 1,500 yards last year. However, when everybody finds themselves talking about Heisman favorites or even talking about the top running back in the NFL in, in college football, in the Pac-12, Royce Freeman's name always gets forgotten about. I don't know if it's because of West Coast bias. I don't know, maybe because everybody was sleeping. Or I don't know if it's because he's not a quarterback. But what Royce Freeman has done during his time down in Oregon is definitely something that deserves and is worthy of notice. Now, of course, I think timing is bad because he just so happens to play during an era or during a time period where you also have Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey, Samaj P. Ryan, Jalen Hurd, Bo Scarborough, Dalvin Cook, all those guys. So in any other year, Royce Freeman, of course, may have been one to find his face on the cover of all these magazines. But we only find ourselves talking about Royce Freeman when the game starts. And I know that this upcoming season, Royce Freeman is going to be relied on heavily uh, to be able to produce. And although, of course, they do not have the mega non-conference game like they had two seasons consecutively with Michigan State, that matchup against Nebraska is going to provide a, it's going to be a showcase game for Royce Freeman because we do know that whoever the quarterback is, either it be Dakota Prukup or Will Jansen who changed his name, we do know that Royce Freeman is going to be the identity of that offense. And if, in fact, he's able to duplicate the success of last season, I would really consider it to be a downright travesty if he is not even invited to New York. I mean, this guy's a dynamic player, so that's one. Who else we got as a dark horse? Another dark horse I found myself talking about was a guy from the Big 12. And when we talk about the best quarterback in the Big 12, for some reason we find ourselves talking about Baker Mayfield, which is deservingly so. He definitely did do a remarkable job last season, and he was definitely worthy, at least I believe, of an invite to the Heisman ceremony. Nevertheless, I think the best quarterback in the Big 12 actually is not Baker. I think the best quarterback in the Big 12 is this guy that plays for Texas Tech who goes by the name of Mahoney, who has the size, has the athleticism, has the arm. But the only question is, we know he's going to put up the stats. Why? Because we do know that's what happens in that, in that spread offense that he runs. The only question is, will he be able to put up enough wins to be able to stay in the conversation? Although when we look at the Big 12, we know that defense is not something that is common. Based off of that fact, ultimately, I believe if Mahones is able to beat Oklahoma, that could provide a service, a launching pad, as it did to RG3 towards the Heisman discussion, because he's going to have the numbers. And if, in fact, he's able to be able to get those wins, he could find himself no longer being the forgotten great quarterback in the Big 12, which he currently is right now. Who else do I got? Number three. It's crazy to call this guy a dark horse, and it's kind of, kind of disrespectful. And that's Dalvin Cook. We know when we talk about the ACC, we know that, of course, at this particular juncture, that Deshaun Watson is the face of the ACC. But Dalvin Cook did a pretty damn good job last season. When we talk about great running backs, I know that Leonard Fournette is a beast. I know that Leonard Fournette is supposed to be the second coming of Adrian Peterson. I know Leonard Fournette has actually lived up to the hype coming out of high school. And I know Dalvin Cook, of course, doesn't really, uh, you know, have that pristine of a reputation after his, uh, in, after his transgressions that took place that he was cleared of 
uh, prior to the start of last season. But Dalvin Cook is a dynamic player. I don't know about you guys, but when I see him play, I know for me, I say, this guy can take it to the house on any, any play. And, of course, he's been able to overcome his fumbling issue, which, of course, cost him, I believe, tremendously in their college football playoff series game against Oregon. But this guy's a dynamic player. I saw his 71-yard run, and I was just jaw-dropped in amazement. He ran for over 1,300 yards last season on one good hamstring. If he's able to stay healthy, and if, in fact, he is able to beat uh, Clemson in, of course, the game of the year, in my opinion, Dalvin Cook may finally get his just due. The fact that he wasn't even considered a finalist for the Dope Walker Award last year was a travesty. But I think he found himself in the same boat as Royce Freeman. Just bad timing. When you had Derrick Henry, Leonard Fournette, and Christian McCaffrey doing the things they did last season, you only had room for – you only had you – couldn't, you couldn't have everybody be a finalist. And he found himself not on the right end of the popular popular – index scale, but this upcoming season provides another opportunity for him to do so. Now, of course, ultimately, I believe with him, it's going to come down to an issue of health. Can he stay healthy? With everybody returning on the offensive line, I expect nothing but great things if he's healthy. Who else I got on my list? Let's see here. Next guy I had on my list actually comes from the Big Ten, and that is JT Barrett. J.T. Barrett, of course, you know, was pretty much talked about a lot during the quarterback controversy in regards to who was going to be the starter. Now he's entering the season with no questions, no doubts. The inconsistency that we saw from him last season was largely due to the fact that he he didn't get all the snaps. Now going into Ohio State as a senior, expectations are all on his shoulders. He's proven in his first year as a starter that he can do it. Now with that experience and also with that sizable chip on his shoulder to try to prove doubters wrong and to try to erase that bad memory that we all have of him, of course, uh, being arrested for uh, uh, OWI, I-, I look at this as an opportunity for him to be able to do great things for Ohio State. He has the stage. He has the marquee matchups, of course, against Michigan, against Michigan State, and also, of course, at the start of the season against Oklahoma. If he performs well in those games, he can find himself back in the discussion. Last guy, last guy I wanted to talk about is a guy who hasn't even been named the starter yet. That guy, of course, comes from Notre Dame and Deshaun Pfizer, who I think is a beast, but we'll see how he performs. Will he be the starter? He did remarkably. Ten-game winner. But will it be enough to win the starting job, and will it be enough for him he has to showcase game? We're going to find out what's happening, and we're going to find out what's up. As I bring the show to a close, Remember that sports gives us an opportunity to take a time out from life and all the things that have a tendency of stressing us out. Thank you guys for tuning in to Eat Drinks Countdown to Kickoff. And remember to stay tuned to sports. I know I will. Peace. And a bottle of hair grease. That was corny.